2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. The words will be on the screens behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we, were, we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Our typical practice here at Trace Crossing has been and will continue to be that we preach through books of the Bible verse by verse. And as we do that throughout the year, we alternate testaments, we alternate genres. We just finished a series through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And as we went through that series, I I thought that we would continue through the book of Genesis. I I expected us to just pick up Genesis 12 either this week or next week and finish all the way through the end of the book of Genesis. But the more I started thinking about where we are as a church, I believe we needed to make a shift. So uh, starting next week, we're going to be walking through the book of Acts. It'll be a year, year, at least a year-long uh, journey through the book of Acts. We will start by considering the first eight chapters, and then we'll take a break for Easter, and then move forward from there. Uh, but the reason that I want us to, to jump into the book of Acts is because I believe this year, it is crucial for us to consider what it means to be a member of a local church. I, I think the most important question for each one of us to ask and answer is, what does it mean to be a member of a local church? What does it mean? Not, not what have I always assumed, not, not what have you know, I always understood. What does it mean? What does the Bible say about church membership? And, and more specifically, I, my, my goal for each and every one of us, by the end of this year, I want us to be able to give a clear answer to the question, what does it mean to be a member of the church at Trace Crossing? What does it mean? What, what does it signify? What do you do? Well, who are you as a member of the church at Trace Crossing? We need to ask those questions and we need to answer those questions. And one way I want to help us do that is by journeying back to the early church and, and walking through the book of Acts. We'll start that next week. Now, our passage this morning 
is motivated by that desire. In this passage, Paul uses phrases that present a common theme. He says, we do not lose heart. He goes on to say, we are always of good courage. And then once again, he says, we are of good courage. And these declarations of courage are each contrasted within the passage to an opposing painful reality. He says, our outer self is wasting away. In the same breath that he says, we do not lose heart. He goes on to say that we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. There's this groaning, this inner groaning to, to be somewhere that you're currently not, to, to, to be with the Lord and not in this state. And he says that at the same time that he says, we are always of good courage. You know, as we embark on a new year, we are going to face new uncertainties new challenges and new changes as a church especially this year where we pray and lord willing we will experience some positive change we will move from two services to one okay we will remove mass we will we will resume life groups we will start serving one another again through nursery and in various other ministries we will find ways to be out in our community serving others in tangible ways face-to-face -face ways we're longing for that day we're praying for that day and lord willing this year sometime we don't know when that day will come well, when that day comes, it's going to be really exciting at first, but what we're going to realize is that it's not so easy to just jump back into the swing of things. You have been disconnected from other members of this church. We essentially, and we knew, we knew this was going to happen. We knew it was a possibility. Whenever you have two services, what, what usually tends to happen, if you've, ever, if you've ever been in a church that has two services, there's typically the first service crowd and the second service crowd. And as much as you would wish that it wouldn't be that way and people would be able to mingle together, it just happens. People's schedules are their schedules. You know, People's preferences are their preferences. Um, and so we have our 830 crowd and we have our 1045 crowd. I bet there's someone in our church that you haven't seen in a year. A year. Think about that. Um, the way that we even sit in this room, we're distanced, we're, we're isolated, and, and it's for, good, for a good cause. We're, we're currently not meeting in life group, and even when we start life groups back, some of you will be like, you know, not yet for me. I need, I need to wait a little longer. Um, some of you participating in live stream, it, it may be a while before you feel comfortable coming back into this room. And even when you start feeling comfortable, it may be difficult for you to get back into the rhythm of attending church on a regular basis. All of these are challenges. All of these are hard. Like, there are going to be people, once we start coming back together, right now we're isolated. When people start coming back together again, people are going to sin against you. You know that? You're going to sin against somebody else. It's scary. It's scary. Reconnecting with one another is going to be challenging. Resuming various ministries are going to be challenging. You ready to jump back in the nursery? You know? We've, if you have young kids, you've missed it. If you were serving and you don't have young kids, you've been like, you know what? I think just for safety purposes, you know, we probably should just not bring it back. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, are you ready, though? Are you ready to jump back in and serve in various ways? Are you ready to start dreaming and planning and praying for the Lord to use us to reach people in Tupelo who are currently not being reached. Are you ready to help us identify who those people are? Are you ready? It's cha there are changes that are coming. 
and it's scary to think about. But this passage this morning encourages us to not lose heart. And Paul gives us all these reasons why, despite the way things currently are, despite all the reasons we would have to lose heart, Paul says, don't lose heart. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to ask and answer three simple questions as we enter this new year to hopefully give us a healthy perspective on things. The first question I want to ask is, why do we need courage? Why do we need courage? Because Paul is telling us, be of good courage. Why do we need it? Okay, second, how do we get it? How do we get courage? If it's something we need, how do we get it? Third, what do we do with it? What do we do with courage? So three questions. Why do we need courage? How do we get courage? And what do we do with courage? Okay, first, and this is probably the most obvious, but uh, answering the question, why do we need courage? We need courage because life in a fallen world is hard and scary. Um, Paul says in, in verse 16 of chapter four, do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul says here, don't lose heart. And in the very next sentence he says, you and I are wasting away. We're wasting away. And then in the very next verse he says, we are experiencing affliction after affliction, after affliction. The picture here that Paul's giving is every single day you are fading. And he's, he's telling us this, he's reminding us of this to, to bring a point, to drive a point home that the Lord's actually doing something within you every single day in the same way that you're fading away. And we'll get to that in a minute. But we just need to focus on this first. Life in a fallen world is very difficult. It's very scary. The world around us and even our own bodies give us cause to lose heart. We are wasting away. And some of you have experienced that this year. Some of you feel that and you, you just really resonate. You see it at your work, that, that humans, that people, we, we, we're wasting away. Others, it, it may be foreign to you. I think of, I think of our family and, and the Lord has, has just has been kind to us. And with our kids, it's just, it's just about growing and development, you know, and, and we, don't, we don't see wasting away. We see advancing and development and growth. And, you know, it's like our, our smallest here who just made his way back into the room. Um, you know, he loves being the little boy. You know, he loves being the little guy and he doesn't want to be called a big boy, you know, at all. And, uh, you know, the other day he actually surprised us because he was eating, he was eating something. That was, first of all, that was a surprise. He was, he was eating really well. And then he looked at us and he was like, ah, big boy, like that. And we were like, yeah, you're a big boy, you're growing. But, you know, that's our experience right now is that the kids are growing, they're, they're developing. That's not true for every family. That, not, they may, that may not be your story. Um. We are a vulnerable people, and we live in a fallen world where children get sick. We live in a fallen world where, you know, younger people get a virus that they say younger people will be fine. It's just fine. This virus, COVID-19, is fine. You, if you're young, you're good. And a young person will get it and then have complications and have a heart attack and die. That's, I, we've seen stories of that. We're vulnerable. We're weak. We're frail. We are wasting away. This fallen world is diminishing, it's fading. And so this year, we are going to experience all of that brokenness in one way or another. 
In one way or another, we are going to experience the brokenness of a fallen world. And so we genuinely need courage to live a life that is pleasing to God. To live life at all, we need courage sometimes to even just get out of bed. Paul goes on to talk about how our bodies are wasting away, but he says that we respond to that with groaning. He, he's, look down in, verse, in chapter 5, verse 1. We know that if the tent, he's, he's using this metaphorical language to, des, to describe the body, we know if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. So even though he's, he's using this to make a point about our future glorified resurrected bodies, he's saying right now, your body's like a tent, Okay, and it can be folded up just like that. It can be destroyed at the drop of a hat. And then he says in verse 2, he goes on to say in verse 4, For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. It is good to lament the wasting away. It is good to, to be sorrowful over the fading of our bodily strength and our vitality and when we see it in our loved ones. It's good. I, rem I remember feeling like when my grandparents, you know, when I first started to notice that they were getting weaker, you know, it's a humbling feeling. It's, and it's kind of, a, kind of a scary feeling as a kid when you notice that for the first time, that they, they can't throw you up in the air like they used to, or, you know, they can't, they can't play outside as long as they used to. And it, it's kind of a humbling thing when that happens. Um, but I remember seeing that, and it's, it's just sad. That feeling that you get, that, that longing for, man, I wish things were better. That's, that's good. It's a good feeling. But here's why we need courage. If all we do is groan at what is not yet, you know, the not yet of the, of the consummated kingdom where Christ will come and set all things right and there will be no more fading away and only renewal for, from now until the end of time. Um, until that day, if all we do is groan, we will waste our time in the already. We will waste our time here on earth. And so we need courage to live by faith, love, and hope in a world that is not our home. Uh, the, the best illustration that, that I have for this is thinking of families who end up moving on after the tragic loss of a loved one, the courage that that takes. I, I remember, I've, I've probably told the story before, but I remember my aunt when she lost her, her son in a tragic plane crash. I remember how difficult it was because he had just been married the night before. They were expecting him to be gone for two weeks anyway. And so the loss was, was so sudden, it was so tragic, it was so quick. Even waking up day after day after day was a sign of courage to move on and keep living in order for us to face a really difficult year because every year is going to be difficult one way or another, we're going to need courage. Now, obviously the important question is how do we get it? How do we get courage? And, and there are three directions I want to point you in, three directions I want you to look in order to find courage. The first is I, I want you to look in, look in, look within. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, Paul says, don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Inner spiritual renewal. We are being renewed day by day. So even though on the outside we are all wasting away, even though the year that we're facing that, that's coming in any year that we face is going to be full of circumstances that are difficult and challenging, we know that every single day, no matter what comes on the outside, the Lord is doing a work on the inside. Inner spiritual renewal is a gift and work of God that does not depend on specific circumstances. Paul is being really clear here. I'm wasting away. 
And yet on the inside, the Lord is continuing to make me new. I'm getting older, I'm getting weaker, and the Lord is making me newer and stronger on the inside. He continues to work. And this happens for God's people every single day. We are being renewed. This, it's this passive voice that's used. It's the Lord himself through his spirit that is within our hearts, shaping us and transforming us into the image of Christ. It's at the core of who we are as Christians. Every day, we experience a paradox of change. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way before, but every single day we experience a paradox of change. We increase as we decrease. We renew as we waste away. Um, I've thought about this a lot recently because it just hit me the other day that as I was thinking about things with the new year, it just hit me that I turned 30 this year. Okay, so, so I, tur- I turned 30 this year and... Uh, I feel like I'm starting to feel it. Some of you are thinking, I know, wow, 30. I would love to be 30 again. You know, I, uh, you're like, I don't even want to start hearing complaints from, from this, this kid up here. Um, so uh, some of you are 29, though, and you're thinking, wow, that dude is so old. Uh, that's, that's my wife. My wife's thinking that. Um, she's, she's 29. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, but, but honestly, honestly, I, I really can't. I've started to realize this for the first time. I can't just eat whatever I want and feel the same. Like I could in high school. Like in high school, it didn't matter. Like at, at lunch, my favorite lunch, listen, this is a high schooler. At lunch, my favorite lunch was this like bag of chicken rings that they would have in this little snack line. Just a bag of chicken rings. And we'd get like honey mustard and we'd dip it in. They came in a pack of 10. I used to eat two of those every single lunch that, that they would have them available. So I'd eat 20 chicken rings like in one sitting. And you know, then we would go and uh, finish the school day and then we would go eat lunch after school somewhere, me and my buddies. And then we'd come back and like do a full basketball practice and then we'd go back and we'd eat something else like it was nothing, you know. And now, if I drink too much coffee, I get heartburn. Like, I started realizing, I was like, what is this feel? What is this feeling I have on the inside? I'm like Googling it, and it's like, oh, heartburn. Um, so, I, I'm feeling it, the, the wasting away. Uh, our bodies are daily testimonies to our wasting away, but I want to feel the same kind of change in the opposite direction for my soul. I want my heart to testify to the daily renewal project of the Spirit. I want to feel like I'm being transformed. You know, we feel like we're getting older, especially some days you wake up and you're like, man, I feel my age. I just, I feel older. Like, I want to feel like I'm getting newer on the inside. I want to feel it. I want to know it. I want to see it in the ways that I, that I, uh, I parent and the ways that I interact with my spouse and lead our church. As we are shaped into the image of Jesus, we increase. We increase in beauty and glory. And that's why, and you know this to be true. I know you know this to be true. A beaten down, weak, old saint who has spent a lifetime with Jesus will prove to be stronger, more beautiful, and more glorious than a strong, vital 20-something who doesn't follow Jesus at all. You see, God is at work every single day in your heart to make you look like Jesus. He is changing you. And do you see how this instills courage in the depths of your soul so that you can face whatever comes? 
A lot of scary things, a lot of uncertain things can happen this year, but no matter what comes, good or bad, you have the guarantee by the Spirit of God himself that God will not stop working in you. You can face tomorrow with courage because God will use whatever the day brings to increase your spiritual beauty. We are on this nonstop spiritual trajectory, and it's upward, and it's nonstop, and it's never going to end. So don't lose heart. Be of good courage, as Paul says here. When you're tempted to think that God is absent, remember that he is always working beneath the surface within the depths of your own heart. And even if no one else can see it, he is active to shape you and form you into his likeness. Okay, but, but the Lord isn't doing this unilaterally. He isn't doing this without your participation. The beauty of inner spiritual renewal is that it is a daily repetitive process that includes our participation with the means of grace that God has given us. Inner spiritual renewal happens through our spiritual activity. God has provided us with what we need in order to change. And I'll just give a few examples here. First, the, the most obvious is the spirit. The Lord has given each of us the Spirit, and the Spirit is working inside each one of us to make us look more like Jesus. There's conviction and encouragement and guidance and counsel that comes through the Spirit. The second is the Bible. The Bible. The Lord has given us the Bible not as something that we just whip out on Sunday mornings whenever we're asked to, to follow along during a sermon. He's giving us the Bible for our own inner spiritual renewal. He uses his word to shape us into the image of his Son. So that happens through Bible reading. It happens through Bible meditation. It happens through Bible memorization. I want to encourage you. Hey, it's not lame. It's not lame to start a Bible reading plan at the beginning of the year. Okay, do it. And you're like, well, I've done it the last like 10 years and I always fail by like, you know, the end of January. Try again. Try again. Read the Bible. You don't, you also, newsflash, you don't have to read through the whole Bible in a year. Okay, you don't have to. Just because that's a thing and just because it works for some people, if it's never worked for you, guess what? It might never work for you. So try something else. Just be in the word every single day. The Lord will use it. Listen, this, this verse, this verse, verse 16, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The Lord is repetitively, continuously, nonstop working in your heart. So match him. Match him every single day. Develop a rhythm. Develop a rhythm of reading the Bible that works for you. Develop a rhythm of prayer. Prayer is another one. Develop a rhythm. Uh, here's what I encourage everyone in the first service to do. I want to encourage you to. Here's a simple practice. Every single day, I think it would be so good for our mental health. I think it would be so good for our spiritual health. Every single day, carve out 30 minutes to sit in silence, solitude, with Scripture, and, and prayer. I was going to say supplication to have another S, but that's just not clear. So, um, so I, but seriously, every single day, carve out 30 minutes for silence, solitude, scripture, and prayer. Now, I don't, I don't even like saying that because I know what it's going to take for that to happen in my house, okay? I'm going to have to take over um, uh, for, with the kids for a while because Erica's loving it. She's like, absolutely. Could we make it an hour and a half maybe? Like, I think I just need more time of solitude. Um, Okay, and I know what some of you are probably thinking. Well, that sounds great, but you don't understand what I have to do every single day. Well, let me go ahead and throw myself under the bus here. I'm saying the same thing about weight loss this year, all right? I need to get in shape, 
And I, maybe if I say this from the pulpit enough, it will finally like just stick in my head. But I need to get in shape. I need to do it. I need to run. I need to eat healthier. I have to do it. And every single day, what I say to myself, and Erica will be like, we'll wake up really early, and she'll be like, hey, you want to go for a run? And I'm like, ah, just, I, I can't. I don't have time, you know? I got to wrap my head around something I got to do later today. I just don't have time. We, that will always be an excuse. I don't have time. I don't have time. If I'm going to get in shape, I, I don't have a choice. I have to find the time. I have to carve it out. If we're going to get in spiritual shape, if we're going to continue to grow and be shaped into the image of Christ, we have to put the time in. We have to put the work in. So maybe set that as a goal for you. Just carve out 30 minutes every single day. I'm talking silence, silent. No phone, no distractions, silence, solitude, scripture, and prayer. Just as a recommendation. Okay, so you look in. But we also look ahead. I love what Paul does here in, in chapter five as he's continuing his, his argument. He's saying that not only are we, are we being renewed day by day, but one day we will be raised from the dead. And this future resurrection gives us great courage today. Uh, he says here in, in chapter five, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's saying here that we have an, a resurrection body awaiting us. One day we will be raised from the dead and we will take on a body that is glorified and perfect and eternal. And, and he goes on to say, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So we look ahead. And as we look ahead, we can be courageous in the face of a withering world because our future is overwhelmingly glorious. If you back up with me to verse 17 of chapter 4, Paul says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. An eternal weight of glory is awaiting each one of us. No matter how bad the rest of your life is, that's what's waiting for you an eternal weight of glory. Uh, uh, one commentator puts it this way, the incredible eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison outweighs any earthly afflictions and makes them look like a tiny storm in a teacup. And that's not to minimize the pain of any affliction that you would suffer. It's to maximize, it's to highlight how grand and how glorious and how eternal the joy and blessing of, of our state with God will be in the future. We have this eternal weight of glory that's awaiting us so we can face any affliction that comes and not lose hope. We can face it with courage and boldness. We can be brave this year. We're gonna have to be brave, but we can be brave because of the resurrection that is awaiting us. So we look ahead, but lastly, we look up. We look up. Paul said that his aim was to please God. Look in verse six. Once again, he says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. He's expressing this desire. Um, and then he says in verse 9, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. He's saying, I so desperately want to be in the presence of God. I want to be with God. I want it more than anything, and I'm groaning until that day comes. However, whether I am in his presence in heaven or I am here on earth waiting for that day, I will make it my aim to please him. 
it's amazing how powerful this vision for life can be because many of our fears are rooted in an unhealthy desire to please other people. I, know, I, I am so prone to that. I'm so thankful for our elder team that helps me process different things. We've had to make a lot of difficult decisions this past year, a lot of difficult decisions. And, you know, I, it's very easy to be prone to, to fear what you guys would think of me, you know, what you guys would think. And, and I know you guys experience this in your jobs as well. You may even experience this at home or in your family dynamic. Where, where you're prone to fear what other people might think or you're, you fear rejection from other people and it will paralyze you. You see, believing that God will renew you day by day and then raise you to eternal glory requires faith. And when you believe those two things are true, that God is working in you every day and then one day he will raise you from the dead, when you believe those two things, it empowers you. It empowers you to aim in your life to please God. You see, aiming to please God doesn't depend on comfortable circumstances or perceived blessing from God. Aiming to please God is the natural effect, the overflow, the natural consequence of faith in God because you know that this God is daily working in you and will one day raise you from the dead. So how different would each of your days be if your aim in that day was to please God without fear of other people? It would totally transform you. So we get courage from God. We get courage from God through his present work in our inner renewal, through his future work of, of our resurrection from the dead, and through our resolve to aim to please him. One, one last word here. What do we do with this courage? I love how Paul turns it. He said three times to, to have courage. Three times. And then he gets down here, after he says he aims to please Christ, in verse 10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. He's saying here that he, he aims to please Jesus because it's Jesus who is the eternal judge of everything that I say and do. But then, I love the direction he takes it in verse 11. He says, Therefore, therefore, Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I love that. Some of, some of you guys have like words for the year. You know, have you seen that? It's like a trend, you know. It's like my word for the year is whatever, you know. Uh, this is a great word for the year. Just if I could throw that out there to you. We persuade others. You want a family mantra this year? We persuade others. We are so captivated by Jesus. We are so convinced that every single day God is working in our hearts to make us new. And one day he's coming back and he's gonna give us new eternal glorified bodies and you want others to get in on it. So you persuade them. You persuade others. Our boldness to face each day with hope should be leveraged to persuade others of the same hope. We want other people, as many people as possible, to get in on this inner renewal and future resurrection and this meaningful life that we have living to God's pleasure. Paul is saying here that since he knows that all he has to fear is the God who is renewing him and the God who will one day raise him, he strives to persuade others of the gospel. So part of your renewal and part of this resurrection life that we have in Jesus must include evangelism. You don't have to be the most gifted evangelist. But if you consider 
the work that Jesus is doing in you, and you consider the glorious future that you have, and then you look out on those in our city who do not know Jesus, and you are not compelled to, at minimum, care, you need to think about it some more. You need to think about it. Paul says the natural overflow here. Therefore, we know the fear of the Lord, so we persuade others. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And it will not matter if you have pleased every single person in your life. If you have rejected God, you have rejected a God that you have sinned against, and you bear the weight of your own sin. And that's true for every single person in our city. What you have received is a gift of grace. You are not who you are in Jesus because you are really holy. You are who you are because God himself, through his spirit, has been working to transform you. Let's share that news. Let's share the news that we each, no matter how hard life gets, have a glorious future awaiting us because God himself will raise us from the dead and give us imperishable bodies. Because that's true, folks, let's persuade others. Let's persuade others this year. Let's persuade those at your workplace, those at your, in your family. Let's, let's dream and think and plan. Let's, let's identify people in our city who do not know Jesus and let's go to them. Let's run to them with the gospel. And he will give us boldness as we do.